I had a little chat with Eric on the way in. Eric's my best mate. And he said, you got, you got your message sorted? I said, yeah. I said, if I look over and you're asleep, I'm going to call your name out. Um, so we've called this Deck the Halls. This is Deck the Halls Part 2. Um, it's funny, we do, you know, do Christmas every year, and generally with Christmas you've got one story to work with. And uh, when you've been doing 14 Christmases, it's like, what's... You know? So I've gone with, the, with Deck the Halls, and um, last time out we looked at the whole idea of decking things out, decorations, and people decorate their homes so that when they come into your home, people know it's Christmas, they can see it's Christmas. And so how do you deck your life out? What do people know about you because of what you put on display? And we looked at that last time around. You can find that on the website, I'm sure. Um, so today, I want to look at the idea of, of the halls. So we deck the halls. And I'm going to put a slight spin on it, because when I think of halls, I think of hallways. And so a hallway, a corridor, is often the link between one room and another. You know, if you're going to go to another room, you go down the hall. Can you pop down the hall and get me this piece of paper? Ian's always saying that to work, you know. Go and get me this bit of paper, it's down the hall. <laughs> do, do you see what I'm trying to say? This is the idea, of, um, it's this link between one room and another room. It's that space, and we all go through them. So with that in mind, let me build a little picture for you. I've gone out to work, slogging away, serving this awesome church. <laughs> And uh, Sarah's at home and she's preparing me a meal because she you know, wants to make it a good evening. And she's done my favourite meal and she's put some candles on and she's got the music playing and she's had the children looked after. But during my day, I have a row. I don't have many rows, but I have a row. I'm really annoyed. And I come home and I get there. Now, Sarah has created a great room. I've got a raving hump. <laughs> what happens? See, I step into the room with an attitude which ruins the room. Am I feeling romantic? Sarah's all very romantic. Am I feeling... No, because so-and-so, because Eric upset me. <laughs> Eric. can't believe that man's attitude. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't fall asleep. <laughs> but do you see what happens? So the corridor in this picture is what happens between the row, that's one space in my life, on the way home to the next space in my life. But what tends to happen is what's happened there gets in my head, I mull over it, it gets in my heart and affects my entire attitude. And my attitude I take on the corridor affects my next room. Do you see what I'm saying? What's happening in the hallway directly impacts your experience in the next room. Are you with me? My frame of mind, my attitude, my clarity, my thought experiences are making an impact and they develop in the hallway. As you approach new seasons, new beginnings, we're all approaching 2019. We're in a hallway, even right now. I love this Christmas period because I think it's a planning time. I hope every single one of you over the next week or so pauses just for a moment and says, what do I want to happen in 2019? What is my dream for 2019? Who do I want to hang out with? What do I want to develop in myself? What's my goal for my health and my finances and my relationships and church life and anything else that might be important to you? And I hope if you're in a marriage or a close relationship that you might share those thoughts together because you're in this hallway and the attitudes and decisions you make now will impact your next season. They're going to. And we have a choice. And I love that. that so much of life is actually a choice. 
Oh, it's all happening to me. Well, stuff happens to me too, but I choose how I'm going to respond to the stuff that happens. So, so we get a choice every single time. So what I want to do here is look at three biblical situations where two or more people had the same opportunity but had different outcomes because of their hallway experience. Are you with me? Turn to two people and say, I get it. First of all, I want to look at the whole story of David and Goliath. Give me a wave if you know the story of David and Goliath. If you don't know the story of David and Goliath, I'm not sure you're breathing. <laughs> David and Goliath. So here's this situation where this 10-foot giant of a man, this mighty warrior, undefeated, comes out and declares to the Israel army, let's have a one-on-one. Me v. you, winner takes all, send your best man, let's do this. And all of the Israel army have an opinion on that fight. It goes something like that. Goliath was huge. Now, you will know the story from different points of view, I'm sure. But could we look at this story through the idea of a hallway? What's happening? And I want to suggest that the room the army has been living in is together. They are focusing on the war together. And so therefore, as they spend time together, they talk together, they influence each other's thought processes together, and so they end up thinking together. They live in this room. This is the space they're living in. They have this opportunity to step through a hallway and into a new experience, taking on Goliath. But their common thought process in that hallway is here in 1 Samuel 17 and verse 11. On hearing the Philistines' word, that's Goliath, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. All of them. So they're all living in this space where they have an opportunity in front of them to step into a new era. Imagine if they won. Just imagine for a second if they went and stepped up and won that fight. Later, if you read in the same chapter, David comes in and says, what would happen to the guy who wins this? And it's like, you'll never have to pay tax again. You'll be a multi-gazillionaire. You'll have the opportunity to have all the, all the king's daughters for your wives. They, he's going to throw everything at you. And David's like, oh, I'll have some of that. <laughs> but all of the army are living in this room where they're in fear, dismayed, terrified. And so their hallway experience is, I'm not up for this. I'm not going to go through this door. Someone else can do that. Can you see what's happening? The things that are happening here are directly influencing the thought process and then what happens here. They all had equal opportunity. David had the same fight as the Israelite army, but he had a different thought process. Because if you know David, David's been out in the fields. He's not been listening to the army. He's not been listening to everyone around him influencing his thought processes. He's been on his own with God. And he's been protecting his sheep. And we know the story. that A bear comes to attack the sheep. And David says, I'll take on the bear and defeats the bear. Now that right there is a story all by itself. A lion comes to attack the sheep. But David takes on the lion and defeats the lion. That right there is a story all by itself. So David, on his own, in intimacy with his father, has developed skills in the natural. Let's not negate that. He could fight. He wasn't a novice. I'm not going to take on the bear. You're probably not going to take on the lion. He did. So he's got skills. But more importantly, his thought process in that room was dictated by his relationship with God. He was a worshipper. He was with intimacy. 
All through his life, this becomes a recurring theme if you follow the story of David's life. He was a worshipper primarily. So that's the room he's in. He comes and steps into the exact same situation as the Israelite army. It's identical. The ten-foot giant is shouting, send your best man. Everyone else is dismayed, terrified, concerned. That is the thought process going on in their hallway. David, who's lived in a completely different space, has a different attitude. 1 Samuel 17, 37 says this. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. David's primary attitude in his hallway was faith. God rescued me there and he will rescue me here. I'm prepared to do it. He had the same opportunity as everyone else. But because of where he'd been living and because of his attitudes in the journey in between, he was up for it. I want to say this to you. All of us have an opportunity to take 2019 by the scruff of the neck. All of us do. But what's happening right now in your thought process will dictate who wins. Now, we'll all have what, what you're picturing, what wins looks to you, will be different what wins to someone else. But nevertheless, we all get the same opportunity. And I want to suggest to you that in this period, get God-centered. In this period, stir your faith. Because 2019 could be your best year, but at one level or another, you have to choose. David chose. David chose to be a man of faith. I love it when he goes out there because then what they do, isn't it? They, they, they saw the king and says, well, where my arm when it's too big? It doesn't fit. Isn't it amazing who the people around you looking at your journey and the things you're up against think they know what you should do best? But that doesn't fit for you. And so David said, I can't do that. That's not who I am. I trust in the Lord. And he just took some stones. And he went out there. And the great big giant said, what's this? What's this little runt you sent out to me? Don't mean to use quite that word, but that was his But David said, no, you come at me with sword, but I come at you in the name of the Lord. And who wins? So I want to say to you, you could look at 2019 with all the practical implications and think, oh, no, this is going to be a tough year. Or you can go in the name of the Lord and you will knock that giant over and you will win. Do you see what I'm trying to say? But that process starts now in your hallway experience. Do you get it? Turn to the person next and say it's going to be a good year for you. Another situation. You will find in Matthew 25, there are three men who serve a very wealthy man. And he's going away, and he entrusts these three guys with some money. To one, he gives five bags of gold. To one, he gives two bags of gold. And to the last guy, he gives one bag of gold. So they're in this place where they're in the same room, serving the same man, given a same opportunity. In the hallway... They all have a thought process because they're now about to enter the same room. What am I going to do with this finance? And, and so you start thinking to yourself, and I've wrestled with this through because you think to yourself, well, that's not very fair, is it? Because the guy with one bag, he's got not, not so much to play with. doesn't seem very fair to me. But the flip argument to that is also not got as much to lose. Do you see? So you can look at these things two different ways, but nevertheless, they all have an opportunity serving the same man, and their thought processes on the journey dictate the outcome. It's their hallway experience. 
And if you read the story, the first two guys invested the money. They put the money to work. They went to Robin and took some advice. <laughs> and they doubled their money. So it must have been Ian that told them that. <laughs> <laughs> Never seen Becky laugh so hard behind you, by the way. <laughs> Do you see? They invested their money. They put it to work. They, why? Because their thought processes was, I've got an opportunity here. I could do something with this. I could bless my master and I could elevate my reputation. I've got a great opportunity. And they invested it. The master comes back and says, what have you done with my money? And they said, here's the five you gave me. And here's five more because I invested it. And master says, brilliant, well done. You gave me two. I invested it. I saw the opportunity. Here's your two and here's two more. Brilliant, well done. Do you see the attitude? Next year... You can have an attitude where, oh, I've never quite got enough. Someone else has got more than me. Oh. Or you can say, this is what I've got, and I'm going to put it to work. I've got this amount of money. I've got this skill. I've got this idea. I've got this relationship, whatever it might be. But I'm going to invest it, because as I go through the year, it will double. We love the idea of double in a church life, don't we? Could, could 2019 be your double year? It could be, if you choose. But the guy who was given one bag who had the least to lose, actually, he had a different thought experience. He had a different hallway. And it looks something like this in Matthew 25, verses 24 and 25. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Can you see the thought process? Two of the guys had an opportunity. With that opportunity, they had excitement. They could see it. They grabbed it by the scruff of the neck. They believed that they could make a difference. And they stepped into another room and succeeded. The guy with the exact same opportunity serving the same master, his thought process was fear. What if this goes wrong? Oh, I'm not going to do anything. So rather than try anything at all, he buried it in the ground, saying to his master, Oh, I was afraid, so I'm, here's, here's what you gave me. And the master's like, what's that? A poignant thought for those who are Jesus-fearing people in the room. Jesus has given you a gift. And at the end of it all, he wants to come back and say, what did you do with that? There is an element of responsibility on your shoulders that we need to be man enough and woman enough and together enough to say, come on, let's make this happen. Let's not bury it and say, oh, I, I didn't want to write that book. I didn't want to start that business. I didn't want to sing that song because, oh, what if it went wrong? Well, what if it goes right? What if you actually invest your gift and God blesses it? What if you step past your own anxiety and fear and God does something amazing through you? Couldn't we start looking at 2019 and see the possibilities instead of looking at what we've got right now and see the fear? We're in this hallway and it's about a week long where you could make different choices. You could sit with your loved one and say, what does it look like to you? Come on, where there's agreement, where two or three agree, that is the special thing about marriage, people. There is two of you in it. Hopefully just two of you in it. Because <laughs> that would be weird. There is two of you in it, and God says where two agree. You see, where there's agreement in marriage, God blesses it. So what could you agree with for next year? 
and then invest your time, invest your energy, invest your gift. Why? Because God will double it. There needs to be faith. Can you see the difference? Same situation, same people, same opportunity. The hallway, the thought processes on the hallway dictate what happens in the next room. You're on a hallway right now into 2019. Bringing it to the Christmas story. Handy link by Pastor Barry. There are four kings in the Christmas story. There are three wise kings. You can say yay. And there is King Herod. You can say boo. We all need a bit of panto in our life. Three wise kings. King Herod. He's behind you. (laughs) All of them had the same opportunity. All of them lived in a season where Jesus was about to arrive. All of them lived at a time when Jesus arrived on the scene. They all had the same opportunity. All of them kings. But their thought process on the journey affects how they step into the next room. Their thought process on this journey affects the outcome of their relationship with Jesus. The three wise kings, this was their response on hearing Jesus in Matthew 2 verse 10. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Yes! You see, these guys had been living in a room. They'd been living in a space. They were on a journey where they were focused on the heavens. And they saw a star and they chatted. They said, they've seen the star. There's a king is coming. And their first thought was, we need to go and worship. We need to go and bring our gifts. We need to go and attend. We need to go and be there. We need to go and bring some honor. That was their first thought. So their hallway experience leading up to the point of meeting Jesus in a new space was honor, was worship, was gifts, was giving of ourselves, was we need to bring our presence to the room. Can I just shout out again to the church people in the room? We need to be present. Every week we get the opportunity to be present together to honor Jesus. They brought their presence. Now, King Herod had the exact same opportunity, the exact same situation. King Herod had a different experience. He had a different thought process. And it looked like this in Matthew 2, verse 3. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. Can you see? The same news... The same opportunity, two different thought processes. And those thought processes in that hallway to the next season dictated how the next season panned out. And it was very, very different. The three kings were humble and wise. They paid honor. They chatted together. And they came and they welcomed Jesus. They brought their gifts and they worshipped him. Herod was disturbed. He was jealous. He was self-centered. You know, he ordered that every two-year-old boy and below be murdered. Yet he had the same opportunity. And yet he had the complete opposite reaction. See, what's going on in this room leading to this thought process directly impacts your next season. And I don't know what's been going on in 2018 for you. I hope it's been a good one, but maybe it hasn't. But I know this, right now you can make a different choice. On this hallway period, you can either choose to take that with you or leave that behind. But the choice you make will impact your next room. God has created a good space for you in 2019. Do you want to enter it? Sarah had created in my story a great space for me, although you could do that if you wanted. Uh, (laughs) 
Sarah had created in my story a great, a great space for me. But my attitude either made it or destroyed it. Do you see? It's you that makes a, makes a play. We're thinking, oh, God will do it, God will do it, God will do it. And yes, he will, but he partners with us. And he partners with our choices. And so we need to choose right now, I believe, in this hallway period, one thing or another thing. I love this, that Herod had said to the three wise kings, he said, when you find the baby, come and tell me. And they said, yeah, yeah, we'll do that, that's great. But when they encountered Jesus, it says they left a different way. You see, they didn't go back and tell him, because having encountered Jesus, they got at one with the father, and they said, this man has got murderous intention. We're not going to go back and tell him. And I want to say it's still the same today. When people encounter Jesus, they leave a different way. Jesus changes thought processes and therefore lives, and you end up in a better place. If you don't yet know Jesus, my encouragement to you is seek him out. You know, God is not offended by people saying, not sure about all this stuff, show me. Go on then, show me. I know people have prayed that prayer, go on then, God show me. And do you know what? He does, because he's all right with it. God is not insecure. He's pretty cool. I know people have prayed that prayer and God's just done something. It can be all kinds of different things, but it'll be meaningful to you because he loves you and you will leave a different way. Can you see the picture I'm building? How you go from one space to another space, but your thought processes on the journey dictate something. We need to be people who are Jesus-centered. So applying this to 2019, that whole idea, I wonder whether we can be people who take a grip and make a choice. Could we choose? Let's not let life happen to us. Let's happen to life. Could we be people who grab it and choose? In this hallway right now, are you frustrated? Are you angry? Are you expectant? Are you thankful? Are you resentful? Are you fearful? Are you worshipful? I don't know what you are, but you're some of those things. Are you close to Jesus? Or are you far from Jesus? And you can put that right in a moment. Can I offer this thought up to you as a good starting point? It's here in Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 4. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. For they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. That is a great start. You want peace and prosperity and long life? This is what the Bible says. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you'll win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. That's simple, isn't it? Sometimes I think we overcomplicate stuff. We all want to prosper. We all want good health. We all want long life. We all want to win favor with God and man. And the Bible says, here's a great starting point. Choose faithfulness. Choose love. Be so good at that that it gets in your heart. It becomes who you are. And it prolongs life. But you know what? Choose. Choose. Oh, yeah, Barry, it's easy for you to say choose, but this happened to me. Yeah, do you know what? It's probably happened to a million other people too, but we choose. Because the choice you make on the back of positive information or negative information still affects the next room. And so we need to be people who don't allow it all to happen to us, but choose. And God blesses you. I want to say that closest to Jesus will always end up in a better, response, a better outcome. Always. As I was praying through this and, and setting it up for this morning, I just had a specific thought. 
and I want to share it with you because I think it will bless some people. And it comes here, uh, 1 John 3, verse 8, and the second half of that verse says this. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Now, Jesus came for lots of reasons. And here we are about to celebrate the birth of Jesus. So this is appropriate. But one of the things he says in John 10, 10, he says, I came to bring life in its fullness, but the devil came to seek, kill, and destroy. And so the devil has a plan for your life, which is negative. Jesus has a plan for your life, which is positive. And wherever you sit in faith, that's still true. And so he says, I came to destroy all those things. And you think, well, what on earth can the devil do for me? You know, I'm a person for crying out loud, can't get me. But I believe situations happen around us, and we can either respond in a Jesus-centered way or a non-Jesus-centered way. And that, that response allows Jesus to step into the situation or not. And, and so here's the thing that I believe happens. I believe things happen to us and we get resentment. Can't believe that person did that to me. I can't believe that happened to me. And resentment, if unchecked, turns into bitterness. And bitterness, if unchecked, turns into hatred. And if you leave it to fester long enough, it might not physically kill you, but it destroys your life. Do you see what I mean? Because everything, every filter, every situation, every hallway experience is through the filter of, I can't believe I'm bitter now. Flipping can't believe that happened to me. And there are people who live in that space. I believe there's even people in this room who live in that space. And yet we get to choose. We get to choose. The Bible says, I lay before you life and death. Choose life. We get to choose to put faithfulness and love around our heart or not. We get to choose all of those things. Some of you may know the story that Daniel and I went through many years ago, eight or nine years ago now. A lad came to the church and presented us with a business opportunity. And we said, oh, great. You know, we felt like this could be a really great opportunity. And we put many thousands of pounds into the business. And uh, the business didn't unpack how we thought it was going to. And we went round his house and he'd moved away with our money. I said, praise the Lord. <laughs> I said, bless him. I didn't say I'm going to smash him up. <laughs> I did say that. <laughs> Things happened to me too. It was very difficult. That cost me and Sarah personally two or three family holidays. Being able to change our car. Some of the nice, we paid the bills and we fed ourselves. But some of the niceties which we all like, I couldn't have because that guy lied. Did I deserve that? I don't believe so. But it happened. But I still get to choose. Do I forgive the guy and say, okay, God, I'm still in your hands. Your plan for me is still good. I'm moving forward. Is my hallway experience based on that or is my hallway experience like, I hope something bad happens to him. What a flipping idiot. But that also affects my next room. And I believe for me personally, it was a test probably for Daniel too. It's leaders of a church. How can we lead a church with that attitude? So we had to choose. And I promise you it wasn't an easy choice. But we chose. And the outworking of that is peace and joy and prosperity and fullness and life. But we had to choose. And I want to challenge you today. Choose. Choose life. Choose forgiveness. Jesus came preaching forgiveness. The disciples chatted to him about it. We know, how many times should we forgive someone? Seven times? Seems fair, doesn't it? Seven times? Jesus said, no, not seven times. Seven times. Seventy times. And he's like, what? But what Jesus actually meant was... Recurring every day. So if you did something to me, let's, let's pick on Eric again because he's my favourite today. 
if Eric was really unkind to me, now I know you never would be, but if Eric was really unkind to me, Jesus says, forgiving seven times, 70 times seven, so whatever that is, loads of times, in a day, for doing the same thing a day. So he could do one thing horrible to me, and then a different thing horrible to me, but Jesus said that's two separate issues. So you start on that one, seven times 70. So I don't know how much forgiveness is going on right now, but it's a lot. <laughs> then the next day, you start again. So Eric could do the same thing to me, a hundred and whatever it is times, and then do it again the next day. And Jesus says, just forgive that. I'm like, really? I don't know if I could do that. But that's my challenge in my life. Eric, don't do that to me. <laughs> but you see, this is the level of forgiveness Jesus came preaching. Sometimes I think we all feel like we're quite forgiving people. But Jesus was another level. But Jesus said, I came to bring life in its fullness. So when you apply Jesus' teachings to your life, what does it bring? Fullness. The devil comes to seek, kill, and destroy. So when you apply the opposite of Jesus' teaching, what happens? Your life goes down the pan. And so I want to encourage you today on this hallway experience leading up to 2019. What are you taking with you? And I want to encourage you today and we'll create a moment. Could you forgive someone? Could you let a situation go? Could you say, I am choosing today because I'm a clever person I can choose. I am choosing not to take that with me. In this hallway experience, I want to be Jesus-centered, and I want to step into 2019 free of the baggage so that it's the best year yet. But you get to choose. Do you hear me? It's gone very quiet in the room. I quite like that sometimes because it means someone's thinking about something. And I hope in our services you laugh, and I hope you learn something, but I also hope you feel challenged because I want to leave people better than the way they came in. And sometimes we have to challenge each other, say, is that your best is that the right attitude? Is Jesus in the middle of that choice? Because if he's not, let's change the choice. Because then you can say, God, I'm running with you. I just wonder where there's people who are carrying a lot of hurt, actually. And we bury it deep somewhere. And we live out our Instagram and Facebook life where everything looks rosy and pretty and great. But deep down here, we're like, oh. But you know what? We can choose to let that go today. We can choose to lay at the foot of the cross. Jesus said, if you are weary and burdened, give it to me. So if you're burdened with a hurt, if you're burdened with some bitterness, if you're burdened with a struggle, today is the day you can say, Jesus, you came for my fullest life. I'm giving it to you. And then release. Do you want to walk into 2019, a new season that we're all going to do, free, ready, excited, with your opportunities, flowing as the best version of you? Or do you want to carry that same stuff into, in with you? And you choose. I can't choose for you. Do you hear me? I wonder if we could pray. Should we stand up? At this point, I just invite people just to close their eyes because it's personal. You don't have to. Certainly no rules here, but I think it's helpful. Jesus, thank you that you came for so many good things. Thank you that in this season we get to celebrate you, we share life, we do family, we give gifts to reflect the gift of you. But thank you that it's not all fluffy, but it's real. Thank you that what you do is you cause us to make a choice. 
What you do is you say, this is how to live. This is the best life. But I leave you to choose. Thank you for the choice. Let me encourage you, church, just to pause just for a few seconds and reflect. Are you carrying a hurt? Is there some bitterness that's got a hold of you somewhere? Do you need to let something go or let someone go? Do you want to take all of that into your next season? Because you don't have to. Lord, I want to cry out on everyone's behalf, Lord God, that next season, 2019, would be an amazing, amazing year. And this time next year, we'd look back and go, wow, we knocked down our Goliath. We got past it. And we did it because we were Jesus-centered. We want to look back next year and go, wow, I felt I didn't have much to offer, but when I invested it, you doubled it. Take a hold of your season, church. Let it be your best year yet. But choose. And just with every eye closed, and I know this is a personal thing, but I want to pray with you. If you're here today and say, do you know what? I want to make a choice to let some stuff go today. Not taking it into 2019 with me. Just give me a little wave. We're going to pray together. Bless you there. Bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you, bless you. Bless you, bless you. Lots of people. You can put your hands down. Father, you've seen the hands. You know the hearts. You know the situations. But I want to encourage you. God's plan is still good for you. It's still good for you. So Lord, we make a choice right now to forgive that person. To let that situation go. To stop dwelling on it and thinking on it. But instead to Jesus, give you our attention. To look on you, just like David did, to worship. And I declare God's goodness over you. Jesus. Lord, I pray as we all reflect over the next week or so and we consider what next year looks like, I pray that you would guide our thoughts. I pray there'd be unity in households and I pray you would command a blessing over that. But in it all, Jesus, I pray you be glorified, you be center, and you become famous because of our lives. And all God's people said...